Hey, this is Chris, the host of the Overflowing Life podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I have two quick but important requests to share with you. First, we're planning something really special and exciting at the end of this season, a question and response episode. I'd love for you to be a part of that, and all you got to do is follow us on Instagram at The Overflowing Life and DM us your burning questions or any topics you're seeking clarification on. Your participation will make this episode truly interactive and enriching for everybody. Second, we're a brand new podcast, so we rely on your support to grow and reach more listeners. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe and share it with two other friends who you believe would find value in our content as well. Your recommendation really means the world to me and helps our community thrive. Thank you so much for your support now. On with the show. I was controlling it so much, it was suffocating it. And the coach challenged me to let go. And I'm going to be honest, that felt like death to me. I was just going to jump off a cliff and I didn't have a parachute. And it was a watershed moment for me. Welcome to the Overflowing Life Podcast, where we navigate the crossroads of modern leadership and authentic living. I'm your host, Chris Lagarde, leadership coach and team development expert. Control and certainty may feel like safe bets, but the truth is they can be deceptive saboteurs. In today's episode, we dive into the transformative power of surrender, a mindset shift that can liberate us from the pitfalls of certainty and control. By embracing surrender, leaders can experience greater freedom, creativity, and resilience. Get ready for an episode that might just change the way you lead. I know I already asked this question, Adrian, in prep, but uh, how are you? What's going on? Hi, Chris. I'm doing great today because I have the day off and my kids are at school. And to me, that is the best combination. Well, I completely agree. Um, you know, I, I started working from home this year exclusively. And when the kids all go off to school, our youngest is seven, almost eight on Monday as of recording this. And it's just such a peaceful it's it's amazing how peaceful it is. And yet I I try to remind myself one day that will be every day, all day, and I'll miss it. So, you know, it's important Same. to remember that. Yep. I, I try to enjoy it while it lasts, but I am an introvert. And so when I get the house quiet to myself and I'm not cleaning up after somebody or reminding somebody to do something, this is absolutely how my, how my batteries get recharged is just being home alone in the quiet. So yay for days off and kids are at school. Yes. All right. So we're just going to have a conversation around the topic of surrender today and how that relates to the problem we discussed last time of hurry and distraction and overstimulation and how that impacts us. But um, I, I've been saying this, that the water we live in, we don't even know we're in like fish don't do fish know that they're in water. I don't know. And that means like, hey, we're in this culture and society of go, 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 hurry, 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 distraction um, that just pervades everything. And it's so hard. It seems hard to slow down and kind of get our souls back. Right. And so this whole season's all about what do we do with that? How do we fight back against that? And today, last time it was kind of all about the problem. We gave a little challenge at the end, but today is about, all right, let's start talking about what we can do with that. And the topic for today is surrender. So that's an interesting word. And I think in our culture, it tends to come with negative connotations. So I'd love to ask you your honest, authentic reaction to that. When someone says to you, surrender, what do you feel? What do you think, Adrian? I think, 
Oh, gosh, that sounds scary. <laughs> surrender. Mm. What am I being asked to surrender? What am I being asked to let go of? Mm. I think for surrender, it, it is a, a thought of what do I have to let go of? And maybe what do I have to lose? What am I losing by surrendering? So it does feel kind of scary. I think that maybe surrender also equals something has to change and change is scary too. Um, and the other thing that I, I thought about first surrender in the context is that I think sometimes a lot of people have surrender seems kind of like a religious word, right? Like it's, it kind of feels maybe churchy or, or at least that's how I've perhaps experienced it in the past. And so how is surrender both in the spiritual context? How does that show up? But then also what does surrender mean in a non-spiritual context and how does that apply to to our everyday lives. So that way we can actually have a more peaceful existence, whether we are churchgoers, spiritual people or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as our, our listeners know, if they've listened to the, the intro and then this one, it's like, Hey, this, this authentically, there's going to be spirituality brought into this. doesn't mean that we're advocating any one particular faith, but that's just who I am and how it comes out. And I, I want to go back to what you said about loss. Right. And I, I think I want to, you know, how we look at things matters, right? And and there's this law with this training I attended a long time ago that, that, that says, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. I don't know who said it originally. I can't con- you know contribute that to anybody, but I want to challenge our idea because I think a lot of people, as I've had a lot of conversations about this topic, I think that's the, the, the context that we have it in. Oh, I surrender. I give up. Oh no, it's over. I lose, right? It's loss. And in this context, I really want to challenge us to see it differently as not necessarily a loss, but a gain, kind of flipping it on its head. And so, um, what, you know, asking about what is, what is surrender? And, you know, in my head, when I think about surrender, it is a kind of, it's a letting go. And it has to do with control. Right. In a, in, in a lot of ways. Right. Surrender. It's like an, an intentional letting go of of this illusion of control and certainty, embracing vulnerability, which Lord knows to be vulnerable in this day and age. Like, man, especially with everybody putting their best self up, quote unquote, up on social media is is scary. Um, thankful for Brene Brown for talking a lot about that. And then, you know, opening ourselves up to this. Uh, mystery that is life. And and man, I know in my life, that's been extremely, extremely hard. And uh, I want to share a story, but before I do, I, I just want to touch on, I'm a very logical person, right? I'm an Enneagram five. And so I think in order of things, and and this is, this is intentional that I bring this topic up almost first, right? You got to say the problem. Now we're, we're talking about surrender because without surrender from, from my experience and my observation, I don't know how the rest of the things we're going to talk about, such as uh, ancient practices that we're going to discuss in a, a upcoming episode, identity, self-awareness, authentic community happens unless there's an aspect of surrender and they build on each other. Right. So that's kind of why I'm starting with that. So, um, yeah. I, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I want to underscore something that you said kind of at the beginning about surrender might be synonymous with giving up. And I actually hadn't thought about that. And so when you said it's kind of like we're giving up, we're waving the white flag. For me, surrender 
when I was thinking about it for my personal self is giving up some control, but I've never thought of it as giving up, like, ugh, like relinquishing or just acquiescing or like I'm tapping out. And I hope that people understand that those are different. Like you can surrender and do it in a way that is healthy and doing it in a way that is for the benefit of your own mental health or for the people in your family. You can you can make that conscious choice to surrender that control without feeling like you're giving up and, and waving the white flag. So as you go into sharing your story, I just want to say I really appreciated you sharing that because it kind of shed a little bit of light on the the differences uh, for the, for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, let me share my story because it, 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 it's part of my journey and how, I mean, this is why I want to share these things because it's made such a difference in, in my life. Um, roughly two years ago in the business that I ran, which is a real estate sales business, I was, I was losing. It felt like I was losing everything. Things were falling apart and it started with my identity. I was being challenged as a leader and 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 not necessarily by other people or people I led, but like, hey, it was some things were happening, and this is how I internalized it. Right, I internalized it by saying, um, you know, oh, I'm losing my identity. I don't know who I am as a as a as a person anymore, as a leader. And so, because I felt like I was losing these things, you know, friends, business, stability, love, it was very hard. It was very difficult, and so. I ended up having a coaching call with this organization called Identity Exchange that we will, uh, we're actually going to interview Jamie Winship who started that later on. And what that helped me understand was how important control and certainty was in my life and that they had become so important to me that I was holding on to things so tightly. It was like I was, uh, I was suffocating it, right? To bring a little humor into this. Uh, is it Tommy boy <laughs> where Chris Farley is talking to David Spade and he's talking about what he does with using this. Uh, have you ever seen that movie, Adrian? I haven't. I'm a little ashamed to admit it. Okay. Now you got to go watch it. It's, it's fun. Um, anyway, he's explaining what he does in the sales process with this, this like a um, piece of bread. And he's like, I love it. I care for it. And then I destroy it and I poke it and I, and he like rips it apart. And it's like, that's kind of what I felt like for me. I was controlling it so much. It was suffocating. It was, I was, I was killing it. And the coach challenged me to let go. And I'm going to be honest, that felt like death to me. That felt like I was just going to jump off a cliff and I didn't have a, a, you know, I didn't have a parachute on the way down. And it was a watershed moment for me. It was, it was like, I, I, I knew I couldn't solve everything. I knew I couldn't control everything, but what ended up happening is I, I ended up needing to buy out my business partner. And if I had, if I hadn't gotten to the place of surrendering or accepting, if you will, um, what was, I would have, that would have not gone well, right? It was almost like a divorce and I, I would have been in a bad place. And I had another mentor that talked about getting to neutral, getting to a place where you're almost indifferent of the outcome so that you're not emotionally attached to one or the other, because that would have colored my response. And it, it made all the difference. And what I've realized is that surrender as a leader, like, especially if like you're beholden to, or you need to control how other people see you or whether they like you or not, 
how can you really effectively lead them? So surrender or accepting what is has become a really, really important concept in my life, not just spiritually for sure, but also from a business standpoint. Chris, when you had that moment of this is this is what I have to do, I have to surrender, I have to let go. When you had that insight, how did that clarify your next step? Ooh, huh. I, you know, I'm 45 and my, the, my memory doesn't serve me as well as it used to. However, shortly after that, there was a situation where I, I could have stepped in and controlled a, a, an HR type of situation, but I didn't. I, I was like, well, I'm going to keep my hands off it and just see what happened. I wanted to over function and control things and I didn't. And the outcome of that was so much better than if I had tried to control it myself. People would have been resentful if I had done that because I would have been trying to control a person or people. Uh, and instead I was like, okay, I'm not going to overfunction. I'm not going to control. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm just going to kind of trust in the mystery of what's going to happen with this. And it ended up being a good thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder too, how much when we get to that space of accepting that I have to let go of control, I have to surrender to this if that kind of creates an opening or a space or just bandwidth within us to get clear on what the next step is. Because when you were describing how you had to control and just have this iron grip, you know, I, I have similar experiences in my life too, where I'm holding tight and holding tight and holding tight. And my thinking almost becomes so muddled because I'm so focused on controlling everything that when I can relax that grip a little bit, and I can kind of let the situation breathe a little bit. It's like my thinking almost gets a little bit clearer. And I have some of that clarity, some of that insight of, okay, now I know what to do next. But when I'm so wrapped up and preoccupied with I have to be in control of everything, it just kind of consumes me. Is that how you were feeling too? Yeah. And and there's a there's a there is a spiritual concept from um uh Saint Ignatius called indifference. And, and that's kind of what we're talking about, right? When you, when you let go and kind of surrender, it, it, it allows you to move from being attached to something that may or may not be the right outcome or the right direction to saying, okay, what are the possibilities here? And if I'm detached from any one outcome, then I can objectively look at it instead of looking at it through the lens of my ego or my maybe healthy or unhealthy desires. So it allows us to consider more options and look at things more objectively. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe even being more okay with what some of those options are. I know for myself and maybe others too, like when I set out to do something, there's a certain outcome that I want to accomplish or I want to achieve. But if I understand that, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm not really in control here and I can sort of surrender my process or surrender what I'm hoping for, then I'm actually more accepting to an outcome that I may not be striving for. And that's a, a really valid and strong point. And I'm glad you brought that up because as leaders, if our job, depending on what role we're playing in an organization, if our job is to, I, I kind of picture a leader out at, uh, <laughs> almost out, out at the front of the Titanic, like Jack and whatever they were, you know, it's like you're out front seeing what's ahead and it's your job to see all of the lay of the land. But if you're so fixated on one thing, you miss the iceberg, you're in trouble. So by letting go and surrendering and being indifferent or neutral about the outcomes, you're, you're literally, your brain is able to see more things. Otherwise, if you're like I was, if you're in fear or fight or flight, 
your brain can't function into the the top frontal lobe where creativity and imagination happen. Right. And so there, there right. are possibilities you'll never see and will never iterate or, um, uh, you know, come up with. So. So how do we embrace that more when we're talking about how busy we are and how much we have to control our schedules and all of the things around us? How do we lean into that more? Because I feel like the busyness and the control is almost our, our cruise control, our default. So how do we really start to access more of that letting go or that awareness to tap into those more open spaces that allows for creativity and peace? I think it starts with their mindset. And I, I think this is really important to bring up. So AA has a wonderful way of looking at things, right? It's an agnostic, non, non, as far as I'm aware of, I don't think it has an affiliation with any religion, but it does advocate for like a higher power, so to speak. But it, 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 it says uh, the serenity prayer. Actually, I don't think they use the serenity prayer, but I don't think it is I don't think it's it originated with them. I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, serenity prayer kind of hits it on the head, which says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I look at surrender or, like I said, in other words, you could use another word you could use would be acceptance is the wisdom to know the difference, because this is not about giving up. It's actually about empowering and and seeing things truly, which is to understand control and certainty are actually an illusion. We we crave it because it gives us a, a feeling of security in a lot of ways. We want that, at least it did for me. It's like, oh, I can control these things, which means I have a certain outcome. But I'm going to be honest, that was <laughs> such, I was a fool in a lot of ways because I really didn't control the outcomes and there's very few things I actually control. And when I understand the difference, I show up more peaceful, more creative, a better leader, a better husband, a better father, a better person, because I can focus in on here's what I can control and change. Here's what I can't. And I am just much more at peace. There's a a saying or an anecdote or something. I'm sure you've heard it where the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. And so I think that kind of speaks to that, where if we want a different outcome, we have to do something different. And so whatever that strategy is to do something different, whether it's the pause that we talked about in the first episode, whether it's you know deepening self-awareness, whether it is um, spirituality or community, whatever it looks like, you know, if we're not going to drive ourselves insane, we sometimes have to choose a different, a different strategy. Um, The other thing, too, that I wanted to say about that, about serenity. So as an Enneagram one, serenity is my virtue. And so that's something that I'm trying to always lean into, strive, strive towards. Um, And for people who are maybe less familiar with the Enneagram, we should probably define what virtue means. So virtue is positive behavior or habits that support us into growing into healthier versions of ourselves. And so my journey to serenity is is an opportunity for me to grow into a healthier version of myself because as a one I'm very obsessed with perfectionism. I am very obsessed with having things a certain way that control having it the way that I want to be that I know that I'm not really going to be at peace. I'm not going to be as nice of a person or as fulfilled of a person until I can let go of some of that control. 
And a very quick and practical example that uh, I have three kids. And so when I get home at the end of the day and I walk in to the house, and I'm expecting it to be a certain way, spotless, picked up, just like I've been home all day and it's not, I can either get really frustrated, which is often my default, or I can just accept the fact that, you know what? This is just this is just how it is for this season of life. And so that that movement towards serenity, again, as you said, just to accept this is maybe how things are right now. And it's not the necessarily the outcome that I was hoping for. But if you can accept that, let go of the control or the perceived control that you have over it, I think for me personally, I know I am much more peaceful and a nicer person to be around. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's that uh, there's an idea I I may have mentioned it previously, but the idea of being a non anxious presence, like I love that's that. what I want to be. I I want to be that. Uh, that's who I want to become. And and you know you can look at uh, figures in history that like you know Buddha or Jesus or whatever that that showed up that way. And you know, have you ever been in the have you ever been with somebody that's like that? That's like that non anxious presence. Adrian? Yes, I have, and. I have found most of the time they're Enneagram nines. I love being around Enneagram nines because I feel like they have such a peaceful presence about them. Mm. And how does that impact you? Oh, it gives me a little envy. Like, oh, I want what you have. How can I be that way? And the peaceful presence, what you said. Um, so again, as a one, I can be wound pretty tightly sometimes. And as the mom, I really set the tone for our household. And when I am not peaceful, our household is not peaceful. And my husband is so great at reminding me lovingly that my impact, my tone really, you know, it, it matters in the house. And so I have to be very aware to kind of turn my oneness down a little bit sometimes, my rigidity, my need for control and, you know, harness some of that peacefulness from other areas because it really impacts the people that I'm around. What a great leadership lesson in that, right? I mean, we know, I would assume if you've led at any level, whether it is a parent or uh, in an organization or even volunteers at any level, as the, you know, I think it was John Maxwell that said this, that as the leader goes, so goes the rest of the organization. And that's the same thing at home. Like if I, I agree with you, like when I've brought my anxiety, my my control, my fear into a meeting or into uh, the presence of other people, they can feel it. They look to you. If you're the leader, they look to you to set the tone. And if you are in fear, if you are in fight or flight, you're trying to control things, then that's going to rub off on them and impact the entire organization versus Again, going back to how our brain works, if we get out of that fight or flight and we get into possibility where we are letting go and surrendering those things that are fixations or uh, you know, being more self-aware and, and, and surrendering to those things, we show up as that non-anxious presence that hopefully rubs off on other people and allows them the permission to be more authentic and creative in all of those things. And I found in my, my path, my journey, that usually there is something behind that control or fear. The control or fear is, is what's above ground or above the water. If we're going to use the iceberg, right? Go back to that. What's below it is, okay, when I was in, when I wanted to control things and I learned to, to first to be like, oh, wow, I need to start letting go. My fear was I'd lose everything. I'd lose my family. 
because I couldn't provide for them. I'd lose my house. We actually had just bought an investment property down in a, in a vacation area. I'm like, I'll lose that. I'll fail and I'll have nothing. And how true is that? Like how likely is all of that to happen? Not very likely. So there's usually something driving that control that we have a hard time letting go of that when we take the time, which we'll talk about later to surrender, but then get in some reflection and silence and solitude, we start to understand, oh, that's what that's really about. That it's not about this, this, it's about what's behind that. Right. So what strategies did you find worked well for you to move from that place of control to surrender? Hmm. I'm thinking. First, understanding I have limits. Knowing that, like, knowing that there's there's a force beyond me that loves me, that wants the best for me, allowed me to let go, and that that was that that was for me. You know, uh, um, understanding what is beyond me allowed me to say, okay. I'm really not the one in control here and there is something greater than me in control and 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 going back to that spot allowed me the permission to do that and uh, you know I know that may not be the answer for everybody but for me that it started with that and you know serenity prayer is a great example of that of understanding what you can and cannot change or control and the wisdom to know the difference and there's also, I, I also would add to that, like, it's not just what can or can you not control or change. What should you control or change? What, what really should you go after? Because just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. And again, there's wisdom there to know the difference. And, you know, I think in thinking about what helped me get to that point, there is a, we're going to talk about this in, on one of the next episodes, but there, the, the, the silent and solitude time of being, of understanding you know, I, 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 I've got to get out of the rush and the rat race of things, the distractions and, and just be and breathe and get embodied, get into myself and kind of just feel what's going on so I can get clarity around that instead of just distracting myself and just keep running and, and leaving it behind. Because eventually I kind of talked about this last time about the body does keep score, so it will show up at some point. And so that that was a big help to me. I also had a, a business coach at the time who had a model. Um, thanks, John, by the way. Uh, he had four questions um, that he dubbed the serenity model and asking questions. Okay, great. In this situation, what can I control? And he asked that question. It's four questions. The second one is what can I not control? What can't I control? And, and what am I seeking to control that I actually can't, which is a little different and then what could I be controlling that I'm not? And again, I would add to that a fifth question about, okay, well, just because I could control it doesn't mean I should. Uh, you know, what's the, what's the wisdom to add on top of those things? So that was a really good model to kind of slow myself down that I've subsequently used with my coaching clients when they're like overwhelmed and they want to move to control or they're, they're fearful. It's like, okay, let's breathe first. Close your eyes. Let's take some breaths. Get centered now. Because that phys physio physiologically can changes our body and, and how we're doing, how we're going. And then you can ask some of those questions. 
I think it's also important too to get really clear on what your priorities are because when you know what is the most important thing or what are the most important things, especially for business leaders who are responsible for results and who are responsible for leading the organization and setting the culture, when you get clear on what are the most important things, what are your non-negotiables, then maybe there's some room for people to let go of control of some of those peripheral things. What can you delegate? Even if it's not going to be done the way you want it, what are you willing to accept to be done by somebody else asking for help? But first, you ha- really have to understand what are your non-negotiables? What, what, what must I control? And then what am I willing to let go of that that maybe is a little less high priority for me or that I can allow myself to ask for help or delegate to somebody else. Yeah. And you, you kind of hit on business, you know, business leaders, uh, you know, and we, we talked about this before about, it's not about surrender. It's not about giving up. It's actually about being empowered. Um, You know, it's, it's about redefining our relationship with those desired outcomes, understanding that we can't always control the results. And, you know, another model, if you will, that has helped me in that it's, again, it's, you don't just sit there and do nothing, right? That's not, a, that's not okay. You, you're responsible as a leader to move the organization forward. Starting with the idea, I can't control everything and certainty is an illusion. I, I, I got to understand what the difference is. Now it's a matter of, okay, well, Based on what needs to happen, there's a, something called the accountability feedback loop, right? It starts with setting some goals or, or some results that you're looking for. You've got to have a plan and you've got to follow that plan. And as you make those plans and set those goals, again, understanding what you can and can't control is really important because if you're trying to control something like the market, whatever the market is and the industry you're in, you can't control that. So you've got to recognize that and say, well, is this actually, should I be setting a goal around this? Assuming you've gotten clear, clarity on that, you set the plans, you do the activities, then you just got to measure the results and evaluate those results, make adjustments, and then you go back around, right? And, and as long as you're doing that, you can actually start to see and become aware how you're, how you're winning and how you're not and what you can control and what you can't control. Most what I find is most leaders that that are not aware of this or have not mastered this process, they're just in that control control mode because they've lost sight of how how do they go about measuring and improving things. And the control gets tighter because the results aren't there. And it's like, oh my gosh. And it, it's it feels so counterintuitive to accept and surrender in in some ways and to to kind of breathe, but it, it takes you out of that fight or flight and allows you to breathe again by understanding like, okay, I got to, I got to step back for a second and, and embrace the, the, the flexibility in the process of this. Yeah, absolutely. So I heard you say that, you know, one of the benefits of stepping back, letting go of control is probably some improved mental health because you understand that you can't do it all. You shouldn't do it all. So understanding what your limits are. But when we think about what are some of the other benefits of surrender. What what would you say to that? Yeah, jumping off what you said, it's that emotional health. It's the and and I think that's kind of a pandemic these days. I think most of us, especially since the um, the pandemic, 
and I love what you said last time. It was like, you know, I had one experience, you had another, and a lot of people, you know, they fell on one side of that. They either were over, over functioning or under functioning. And it, it, it highlighted some things where we were so rushed and, and worried and all that stuff. We, it, it weighs on our emotional health. And I don't know how you lead if you're not emotionally healthy. It also goes to emotional mature, uh, maturity. Because, you know, you think about when we're younger, we think we can do so much and control so many things. But the, the more you realize, like you, you meet older folks that are, you know, like my parents are in their 80s. And it's like, look, you come to a wisdom of understanding, like I that's not something I can control. So I'm not even going to worry about it. And it, it allows you to, I think, deepen your emotional maturity. And there's also an aspect of facing reality. As a leader, if you're not able or willing to face reality, your people know it. They can see it. And by learning to surrender and what you can and can't control, it's like, okay, this is what is reality. And I can deal with that. I can work with that. It's really important to be able to, to see that. And you know, the last thing I'll, I'll say on this, I mean, there's plenty of things I could say, is that by allowing yourself to step back and not control everything and not be stressed and so tight and, and stressed out and unhealthy, you actually build resilience. You actually allow yourself to, to, to be a leader for much longer because instead of going through burnout cycle after burnout cycle after burnout cycle, you actually, you shortcut that and you're actually able to be more present for longer and have better ideas. And so by, allowing yourself to surrender you, man, you take your leadership skills up a whole new levels. Uh, and we see it in, in, in history and in, and in religion, it's like, man, we put these people on a pedestal that like, just seem like they can't be bothered by a whole lot. And it's like, man, that, that non-anxious presence means so much to us because it allows them to see things differently in a way, you know, with wisdom where it's like, you know, they utter things and you're like, Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. How did they get to that point? Well, they spent a lot of time not in the whirlwind, right. In the whirlwind of life, they've, they've stepped away from it and gotten perspective. Yeah. One other little nugget I want to drop in there is all the Gallup research shows that managers are responsible for up to 70% of the variance in the culture, which means that, Managers have such a huge impactful influence over the people that they lead, where if you consider, are you a peaceful presence? Are you a non-peaceful presence in your workplace and for your team? And if you can remember that you are impacting up to 70% of the variance of your culture, what does that, what does that mean for you? And, and what does that mean for the people that you're leading? Mm. Let that sink in for a second. Like, uh, your the way you show up determines so much and how you influence people is is so incredibly important so if there's you know look if we haven't convinced you to to consider this yet uh just look at like all right how how are you showing up as a leader right asking yourself that question and what impact are you having uh i, I love the idea of 360 degree reviews where you get you know input from everybody around you above you below you around you and you know asking yourself if you have the courage and the culture that you're working in to ask people, Hey, how am I showing up? Am I, would you say that I'm, you know, anxious and controlling or am I a little bit, you know, more relaxed? Am I too relaxed? Should I step in maybe and, and, you know, exert influence, not control, but influence over things more. Right? That feedback could be really, really important. And 
you know, I know there's been plenty of studies done, you know, by various organizations around the impact of, of surrender and the serenity that that can bring. And, you know, the Mayo Clinic has discussed, you know, a lot of health benefits from meditation and, and the practice that, in, you know, leads to or helps with surrender or acceptance. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of, of evidence out there. So just Google it and I guarantee you it will come up. I think asking for feedback. Wow, that's such a great strategy to practice surrender and maybe an unconventional one too, because when you ask for feedback, you don't know what's going to come out of that person's mouth and you do not have control over that. And so if you're willing to take a risk and, and ask for feedback and really hear and listen what they have to say, that's a really great way to start practicing the the art of surrender. I think another way that I think people can practice surrender too is community, you know, be in community and be with people who are going to uplift you, who are going to support you when you're feeling down, who might be able to give you some personal feedback too, and, and really help you understand where you might be showing up that is a little bit too tightly controlled or too tightly wound. Um, but also doing that with love. Hmm. Yeah. Authentic community. That's another thing we're going to cover in a, in a subsequent episode. And that is incredibly important. I heard a statistic that since COVID, the average adult has maybe one other close confidant that they can like really trust in. And that's like, I forget what that's down from like three since before that, but man, we are increasingly isolated in our world, even though we're quote unquote connected through social media, but let's be honest, that's not real connection. Usually we're using that to compare ourselves and figure out like, how am I doing? And that's not healthy either. So, you know, developing that healthy community, that authentic community, as we're going to call it is incredibly important because it, if we're just in our own world, not surrendering in our own head, all the voices that are going on with that, like in my life anyway, that lead has led to depression, right? It's just this spiral that, that, you know, I know not everybody goes there, but I definitely have. And, you know, that's my strong four Enneagram four showing up, but like I spiral down and I need that outside perspective to understand how am I showing up and that I'm, I'm not, everything that's happening in my head is not fully real. So Adrian, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You know, I, I wasn't sure exactly where it was going to go. And I think we've, we've, I don't know. For me, it's been really helpful and uh, diving into some of these things with you. I, I would love to get to some, like, okay, practically speaking, we've touched on this, but practically speaking, how does one start to do this and, and where do we go with this? For me, in my journey, it was recognizing I'm at the end of myself. I, I just... I can't do anything else. And it was a place of pain for me. And I'm hoping by sharing this that most of you listening won't have to get to that point before you say, oh, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Right. So intentionally making that decision to understand control uncertainties and illusion on some most things and embrace the vulnerability that that brings. It's like, all right, well, I can only control and be certain about certain things. I need to understand the difference between there, uh, between those two things and shift that perspective to understand it's not all about you. 
maybe there is a, a force greater than you that you can go to if you have that in your spiritual bag of, of beliefs and things, but at least understanding it's not all about me. It doesn't depend all on me. It does take a community and I, I've got to shift away from that and understanding that. So I would start with that simply recognizing that and even, you know, a little preview here, even getting into some of these practices we're going to talk about, about stopping and being solitude, silence, contemplation. Yeah. And I would go back to uh, what we had said about community and really leaning into your community too. For me, that's been a, a really critical part of my letting go of control when I'm able to do it. And I have what I like to refer to as a personal board of directors. And people in the business world will be really familiar with the term board of directors. But for a personal lens, thinking about who are the people closest to you that kind of sit in your life that are there to support you, to guide you, to offer you advice. It can be spouses, friends, therapists, spiritual directors, uh, bosses, you know, whoever that looks like. But to really get clear on who are those go-to people and what is the role that they're going to play for you. So they may serve in different positions. You know, one of them might be your cheerleader. One of them might be your calling bullshitter. One of them might be your, um, you know, your whatever it is for, for what you need. But to know who those people are and when you go to them, trusting and believing that they're going to give you honest feedback. And I know for me, you know, in the whole idea of letting go of control and surrendering, my best friend, when I go to her and tell her that, I hey, this happened, I'm struggling with this, she'll be like, girl, just let it go, right? And, and I'm like, yep, okay, you're right. And sometimes I need that outside voice to almost give me permission to let it go. So I would just encourage everybody to really think about who is on your personal board of directors and how are they going to help you with this whole idea of surrendering and moving towards serenity. I am not going to subject the the listeners to the tor torture that would be me singing, but I'm pretty sure there's a song that goes along with what you just said. And uh, I, you know, I what you what you mentioned was uh, I having a black hat thinker in your life. Depending on your your type of personality, you know, you might be a glass half full person, and that's great. However, sometimes it's not great because you you completely ignore some really you know some really big red flags and having that black hat thinker in your life uh, you know that can help give perspective would be important. And there's one more thing I want I think is really important to add to this is setting boundaries. And this will go to some of the things we'll talk about later. Uh, but things like number of hours you work. Uh, there's a oh if you haven't checked her out, there's a, a woman on on Instagram. She's probably on other probably TikTok and whatever. I'm not on there, but I'm just on Instagram. Um, it's at L-O-E-W-H-A-L-E-Y. It looks like low Haley, but she, it's beautiful because she'll say, here's the, the human response and here's the corporate response. She'll have two, two people. She's playing both. And it's like, well, here's how you address this when they're asking you to work overtime or on the weekends or something like that. So I think setting hours worked Especially if you're an entrepreneur or business owner, it's like, man, it, it all quote unquote falls on you and you feel like you have to work 24 seven and be there. And that is not sustainable and it's not healthy. So boundaries on work time, boundaries on rest time, when you're, when you're resting, when you're available, when you're not available, um, you know, all of that stuff's going to help with decision uh, fatigue, emotional fatigue, self-care, all of that stuff, but setting boundaries and the world I come from in real estate, man, I remember this one woman was saying, um, on a panel, she was up front in this event bragging about how she answered leads at two in the morning. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, that's no, please don't do that. Like that's, you're teaching people that you're available at all hours and, and sleep. We haven't even talked about sleep yet, but that is so important to your health and you got to set boundaries. You got to have uh, a chance to turn your phone off, put it aside, put it to bed and go from there. So, all right, Adrian, I want you to share the challenge that we've got for folks this week. So our challenge for this week, when you think about the idea of letting go of control is take some time to make a list of three to five things that you might be willing to let go of control of. It can be easy things like, hey, maybe I'll let my husband do the grocery shopping this week. It could be something at work like maybe I'm going to um, let this particular person on my staff do this particular part of the project. But get real clear on three to five things that you feel like you have to be in control of. And then consider what might you be willing to loosen that iron grip just a little bit and pay attention to how that feels. It might be a little scary. It might be pushing you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But when you can start to understand what it is that you can loosen that grip on, then that will just move you in the right direction of being able to to surrender that for the sake of more peace. I love that. So Remember, connect with us on Instagram at The Overflowing Life uh, and let us know. What did you write down? Send that to us. And just a reminder, we will be doing a Q&R question and response se- uh, session at the end of the season. So send us your questions. You know, what didn't we cover? What do you want to hear You know, more of? We would love to hear your questions and challenges and uh, yeah, make this interactive. So thanks a lot, Adrian. I really appreciate you engaging with me today and uh, it's been a great conversation. Get ready for an extraordinary episode next week. We'll be joined by Ann Weaver, a seasoned spiritual director and coach. In our conversation, we go deeper into the pivotal themes of surrender and control for the business leader. Ann brings a wealth of wisdom and experience to the table, offering profound insights on how these elements intertwine with our professional lives. Plus, she'll provide practical tips on integrating surrender into your leadership journey. This is a conversation you won't want to miss. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Overflowing Life. If our message struck a chord with you, please subscribe and connect with us. Share your thoughts, questions, and stories with us on Instagram at The Overflowing Life or visit TheOverflowingLife.com. And if you're looking for coaching that helps you create an overflowing life, please reach out to us. We'd love to partner with you. See you next week. Thank you.